0: I mean, If you'll turn in your Bibles to Psalm 26. And as you do so, this reminds me of an incident in church history when John Calvin
1: was expelled from Geneva and he left and had to go to Strasbourg, Switzerland, before about after exactly about a year and a half, the council of Geneva invited him back. And when he came back to the pulpit, he started preaching from the very next verse from where he left off a year and a half before. And so I don't know if he began with, as I was saying, but tonight, that's how I begin. As I was saying, uh, we have been going before we stop through the book of Psalms. And it is our joy and our delight to return to the Psalms, and uh, tonight, Psalm 26, and we'll carry on in the Psalter for a time on Sunday evening.
0: Psalm 26, a Psalm of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked
1: in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart in my mind for your steadfast love is before my eyes and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in incense and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me, be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground.
0: In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the Psalms cover various topics,
1: but none more than. Our relationship with the Lord, if you were with us this morning for Sunday school, we know that that relationship is termed in the the terms of covenant, that there is a heart and our mind connection that is to be made with God, and no book of the Bible makes that better than the book of Psalms. It is direct, that we can go directly to God. There are no intermediates needed or necessary, but that a believer can go before the Lord. And this makes sense because the Psalms are a prayer book or a song book. This is how we are to communicate with God through songs and through prayers, and we do so again directly. But how do we know that we will be accepted before God? How do we know that our praise will be received? How do we know that our prayers will be heard? You remember in Psalm twenty-four, the psalmist asks, "Who shall ascend the?" hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place. And the response comes back, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or that which is false and does not swear deceitfully. And as you know, that is impossible apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. As Calvin once said, we are idol factories. We do not have a pure heart. And because that is so, our our actions and our thoughts internally and externally are not pure. They're not clean. Our righteousness is but filthy rags, and therefore we need a heart change. That is only possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now in Christ, as Pastor Myers preached this morning, that changes everything. We are indeed now made pleasing to God, both internally and externally. And we can Come and approach God. We can come into his presence and even do so boldly. And Psalm 26 demonstrates that idea, that thought, that theme that now that we are in Christ, we can do so
0: with confidence, that we can go before the Lord. On what grounds? Well, our righteousness.
1: The righteousness that we have in Christ. The righteousness that we now have as new creatures in Christ. And those things are no longer apart. You think about it before, before you were going against the things of God. But now in Christ, you, you're going in the, the way, the direction of, of God, because of God changing your life, redeeming your life, restoring your life. And so those Righteousness of righteousness of Christ and righteousness that is ours are, are not apart. Our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness is our righteousness. The two are not separate, but one. And so, as we walk in Christ in the Christian life, we walk in righteousness, in integrity of heart and mind. You hear the psalmist say that here: that we are righteous,
0: and we want to see that in. Four brief points this evening. We are righteous internally, externally, corporately, and then eternally. So first, we are righteous
1: internally. You see, in verse one, David starts with a plea that the Lord would vindicate him. We don't know the circumstances. Perhaps it's not even important. Perhaps David was falsely accused. Maybe there were those that were mocking him, taunting him, all of which were true in various times and circumstances in his life. But it is interesting that this psalm is not primarily about being vindicated in the eyes of others, but being vindicated in the eyes of the Lord, that the Lord would not side against him, but with him, that the Lord would not be his adversary, but would be his ally, a defender even. And why is it that the Lord would be on his side? Why would the Lord defend him and his righteous deeds, his right actions? Well, it's because of his internal righteousness. You see that. In verse one, vindicate me, O Lord. Then goes on to say, test me or, or prove me and try me. Verse two, indeed, whatever this trial is, David sees it as a part of the the Lord's testing,
0: the Lord's proving, the Lord's trying of him to see that David would not fail the test.
1: And the Lord seems to be testing him, according to David, in, in two ways. That's as it says at the end of verse one, that I have trusted
0: in the Lord without wavering. And then in verse three, that I would have steadfast love before my eyes and walk in your faithfulness. You hear that? I've trusted in you without wavering. And I have a steadfast love, and therefore I walk in faithfulness.
1: That trust and that love is a a telltale sign of a a true heart, a, a righteous heart, a a new heart, a heart that is made, renewed, that is regenerated, one that is devoted to the Lord. There is a trust without wavering. Does that mean that our trust is never shaken or diminished or disturbed? No. Oftentimes it
0: is. But it, it does mean that that faith, that trust will never ultimately fail. Why? Because it's
1: the Lord that's sustaining. It's the Lord that is Keeping, He is the one that is bringing us back to Himself again and again. He's the one that returns us to to find our strength, to find our solace in Him, despite the circumstances. You might even say, because of the circumstances. Oftentimes, I need to be reminded, and perhaps you do as well. When when things are going on in life, and things that I do not enjoy, or things that are are bringing me uh, seemingly in a, in a state of of worry or anxiety, it is a a testing, a trying to, to bring me back to the source of my comfort, and my strength. Without those testings, without those trials, we would become perhaps very self-sufficient in ourselves and in our own strength and our own provision for ourselves. But I think the Lord sometimes draws those away so that we would be reminded that, oh no, it is, it is the Lord that is our rock. That he is our foundation. He is our Anchor, especially in very uncertain times, in the the times of trials that seem like seas that are raging and even storming. And it's the peace, even in the midst of the storm, that transcends all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus as we confess this night. And likewise, there is a, a love that is steadfast,
0: And as the psalmist says, it's it's your steadfast love that you have given to me, that I now
1: return to you. It is a heart affection for the Lord, a fierce allegiance to him, a strong connection to our God. We love him, and
0: we know that we love him because he first loved us. So let me ask you, my friends, is that true of you?
1: Can you save the Lord? Test me, try me, prove me, examine me, examine my heart and examine my mind
0: that you would find a true trust, true faith, a true love. I don't think that is something you should be looking
1: for necessarily, but I think the Lord brings circumstances in our lives that that do
0: test our, our trust and test our love for him. But by God's grace, we pass the test. The Holy Spirit gives us everything that we need
1: and allows that to be true. And I, I do believe that is true of, of most of you, many of you, even all of you. And why is that? That is because of Christ's righteousness in you. Otherwise, you you would not care, right? You You would trust and and love many things, but it would not be the things of the Lord. But because of the Lord and his righteousness, it is true. See, David may be spurned and scorned and rejected by his enemies and foes, perhaps even by his friends and allies, but none of that matters to him as long as he is not spurned by the Lord. And so he says, test me internally. And see that I would be right, made righteous before you. Second, we see that there's a righteousness externally. What is true internally is proven outwardly. We see that in verse four and five. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the the wicked. This ought to sound very familiar. It's kind of how the Psalms begin,
0: if you remember, in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now
1: again, this does not mean that we disassociate ourselves in a form of isolation from the world or stay in a a holy huddle. But David is saying, what they engage in, I do not engage in. What they delight in, I do not delight in. In fact, I I hate, he even says, I
0: abhor the assembly of those that would go against the the way of the Lord,
1: against the assembly of evildoers. Because I know that nothing good will come of it. As Jesus said, that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. In fact, there should be a, a marked difference in our walk and our way of life that demonstrates our consecration our our love for Christ
0: if we are to be imitators of God as beloved children and there should be a marked resemblance of our god just like i look out and see many families
1: and you see a, a family resemblance so too there should be a Resemblance of our Heavenly Father. Obviously not in looks, but in moral character and behavior. That our lives should be consistent with our words, with our testimony, with our faith. That what is true internally should be true externally. Right? If it's not, then we are but
0: hypocrites. It's that statement by Francis of Assisi that is often so maligned where he
1: says, "Preach." The gospel always, and if necessary, use words. And many criticize him and say, of course you need to use words. And I don't think that Francis would disagree. But what he means is that if your life does not demonstrate your words, then your words don't really matter, do they? They won't be believed. And so every day we ought to preach
0: the gospel, both with our words and with our lives there is a There is a difference. We, we
1: don't get shaken and disturbed by every headline and every news report. Yes, it should bring us to, to prayer and it should bring us to consideration and we aren't to be stoics by any means, but by all things, we are to present our requests to God and be reminded that He is indeed the King of kings and Lord of lords, and nothing will ultimately thwart his plan. And so he can use evil things. He can use evil deeds,
0: even for his own glory and for his own purpose. And so is that true of us? And how you live, how you work, how you speak, children, even how you play, how we use our time not in the ways of the world, but in the ways of the Lord, internally and externally. David is saying, let my life be tested and improved, be genuine to you, O Lord. Well, third, we see a a
1: third form of righteousness, and it is a, a corporate righteousness. One of the ways that we demonstrate that our lives are, are different It's not only through outward obedience, external righteousness, but in the ways that we gather with the people of God, not with the wicked. We see this in verse 6 and 7. It says, I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord. There's a a preparation for for worship. And then in worship, verse 7, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling of all your wondrous
0: deeds. But this isn't a perfunctory act, combining outward acts with inward praise,
1: the praise of heart and praise of the mind and praise of the body and even of the mouth. And not only is there a love for the Lord, but there is a love for where the Lord is at. So verse 8, O oh Lord, I love the habitation
0: of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Again, not only is there a love for the Lord, but there
1: is a love for the the Lord's worship, and and the people that would worship alongside you, the place where your glory dwells,
0: Psalm eighty four ten, you know it for a day in your courts is like a thousand elsewhere.
1: It better be a house, or excuse me, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist is saying he, being even on the, the outskirts of the Lord's house is better.
0: It's far better. 10,000 times better than to be in the heart of the party of the wicked. Psalm 27.4, the next psalm
1: over says the same thing. One thing I've asked of the Lord that which I would seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire
0: in his temple. And isn't that true? Isn't that why we would want to come together on a night like tonight? To be able to enjoy the the worship
1: of our God. And the worship that that David entered into is, is not much different than the worship that we enter into. Yes, it's different in form, but not in content or in substance. We worship the same Lord with the, the same hearts, And so this Lord's Day, this gathering of the Lord's people,
0: it ought to be one of the, the highlights of our week. There's nothing sweeter than to be gathered with God's people, the corporate gathering. This week, I got to go with, good men to a Braves game, and it was enjoyable, it was entertaining, it was fun, but there's nothing so substantive of a Braves game,
1: not like the worship of our God. Why? Because God's presence is given here, the presence of my fellow family is here, and as such, there's a special blessing, a, a measure of God's blessing that is Unlike anywhere else, this is where we have all the the means of God's grace. We have the preaching of the word, we have the sacraments, the fellowship,
0: the prayer, and so it's not like other places. Yes, God is everywhere, but He is especially here. It's kind of like saying that all restaurants are the same, and sure, you can get food. At most and get substance.
1: There are some that are far more substantial and rich and
0: elegant than your standard drive-through. All of you know that. I'm guessing that you good as Chick-fil-A is, you don't take your wife to Chick-fil-A for your anniversary, right? Why? Because you want to demonstrate. There is something more substantive, something more rich
1: that is given. So too, every day we have the Lord's presence, but the Lord's presence is especially rich and soul-satisfying on the Lord's day, where we eat of the richest of foods and drink deeply of his grace and his mercy. It's here we delight in these, these times and grow with one another. What a blessing it is. James Boyce in his commentary says this, bad company corrupts good character. That statement is true, but it's equally true that good company develops it. If you want to grow in righteousness, you need to spend time with God and with those who are striving to model morality. And that is true. We should love it. And I believe that you do. That is why you are here tonight, that there is a a corporate righteousness. Again, none of this would happen if the Lord had not instilled it upon our hearts. And we want it for our children. We want it for our youth. We want it for our our college students. We desire for them to desire the same, to to value the church, the Lord's day, and the, the Lord of the Lord's day. That they would worship him, not only this day, but for all of eternity. And so this righteousness points to one last form of righteousness. And it's the righteousness that is eternal. We would be eternally made righteous. If we love God and love God's people, then this points to what we will be able to do for, for all of eternity. And you see that in verse 9 and 10, that there is a judgment coming. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. There is a judgment coming. The Lord in his anger will do away with the assembly of evildoers. That's why David says, I do not want to be numbered with them. And he says, do not let me be swept away with them. But it goes on to say in verse 11, but as for me,
0: I shall walk in my integrity. And here is the key to it all. Why? because the lord the lord is the one who redeems me and will be gracious
1: to me i say this is the key because up to this point you might think wrongly so that david is pointing to his own righteousness puffing up his own spiritual chest as it were saying look at me i'm i'm doing everything right but as i said before I did not see this as his righteousness or, or my righteousness, but rather our righteousness in, in Christ, that Christ's righteousness now becomes our righteousness. And, and David recognizes this is only made possible because the Lord redeems me. The Lord is the one that has been gracious to me. And therefore, as he ends this psalm, my
0: foot stands on, on level ground. In other words, my foot does not slip. I do not backslide. Why? Because I'm on a good foundation, That foundation that is the Lord
1: Jesus Christ. I'm on the rock of ages, the eternal rock of ages, the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There, my friends, is, is all the standing that we need, both this day and for all of eternity, that if we are founded in the blood and righteousness of the
0: Lord Jesus Christ, then Indeed, we are standing on level ground. Our feet are on the firm ground of Christ. And if that is true, then we are to walk in that
1: righteousness and have a good standing and eternal standing with the Lord. And therefore, as it ends, in the great assembly, I will bless
0: the Lord. And that is what we get to do. Every Lord's day. Is this a, a great assembly? Maybe not the greatest of assembly, but it is a good assembly of God's people that love him, that serve him,
1: a desire to be pleasing to him. And it is a little taste, a foretaste of the great assembly that'll take place in the last day, in the wedding feast of the land, in the new heavens,
0: and the new earth. And that, my friends, will be the greatest of great assemblies. And there we will bless the Lord
1: for that day and for all eternity. But until then, let us carry on. Let us continue to walk in this righteousness, this right way that God has called us to. I'm finished with this. I had a New Testament professor in college. It was a, an older gentleman very godly, very wise, and we looked up to him in in many ways. And he was once asked by his
0: student, sir, do you even ever sin? And his response was, oh, yes. Yes, I do.
1: But he said, but by God's grace, you will never see it. And that always hit me as a, a little strange, a little odd, maybe even a little ragdocious, after reading psalm twenty six i don't think he's altogether wrong. Are we sinners? Yes, through and through the Lord knows that we are, but there ought to be a, a maturing a, a sanctifying internally and externally that that sinfulness to be less and less by god's grace all because of his redemption because of his grace that we would walk in new righteousness internally, externally, corporately until we are made
0: fully righteous without sin and without blemish and without fault eternally. Well, until then, would the Lord vindicate our cause? Would he test us and try us? Would he see that we have a steadfast love and an unwavering Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for
1: a psalm like this. Lord, we know that our righteousness is nothing if it is not for the righteousness of Christ. But because of that righteousness, O oh Lord, we are made righteous and can walk in righteousness. And so Lord, we pray as David says, would we walk in integrity, with trust, in you without wavering, that you would test us and see that we would have a steadfast love and that we would walk in faithfulness. Lord, that is our desire. That is our prayer. We know it is impossible without the Holy Spirit, but Lord, you said that you've given us
0: the Spirit in full measure. And so let us lean upon Spirit given. Let us lean upon Christ and that we would, oh Lord, love you steadfastly trust you without wavering and that we'd be faithful in the way that you've called us. We pray this all in Christ, our Savior's name.